Hello and welcome to Presentation Podcast. I realized that last week I did not do the best job at explaining the explanation of this show. Actually, I didn't do any job at explaining what this show is about. So I guess I'll give you a little snippet now. So I designed the show with a want to give a platform to people who I believe and who others believe exhibit a form of unadulterated presentation of self. And what that is, is that is a true self that they do not alter when they encounter other people or when they're in different places. And whether that is, you know, a certain part of themselves or their entire self, I just want to be able to have a platform to exhibit that and also present their road or their journey that they have implemented to reach that. And just to give a little bit of information about myself, I am a writer. And I draw inspiration from Irving Goffman as well as Dr. David Law Rice, both are authors that detail the process of reaching a presentation of self or just having a presentation of self. Currently, I am working on a piece chronicling the presentation as well as the separations of self. And I believe that this podcast will be a great intermediary for me to flesh out my ideals on certain subjects, to edit my voice, as well as to magnify my voice and to be pointed about the conversation that I am able to present in writing. So this week, we have a conversation with two healthcare professionals, and they are going to explain the way that they have reached the path that they desire and how they have defied rhetoric and obstacles in order to get to where they desire to be. Without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be outside. How about GMO? You're not about to come for me. It's, it wasn't just about GMO. She was trying to belittle me. You know, mm. it's like it's like we can have a constructive, you know, conversation, argument about GMOs. But don't try to belittle me. Like I don't. I'm one to like respect everybody. I'm not. Gonna, I'm just gonna have like a like an intellectual conversation with you. Or she was trying to like belittle my ass and try to use her whole PhD, you know, level of you know degree against me. Who 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 doesn't even have his college degree yet? And I felt that, and I was like, oh, so that's the game we playing. Well, let me just go back to the streets because that's what I got right now, you know. <laughs> and so I had I went back to the streets for it because that's all. That's that's the only degree I had at the moment. And okay. so. And so I was like, oh, hell no, bitch. You're not about to do that. You're not about to do that. And here's your introduction to Dr. Buckley. <laughs> Today we are here with Kashapia Buckley. He is a prospective medical school student at one of the bad bitch universities in America. He has offers from all of them, so we'll just wait which one he decides to pick. And um, we're going to have a conversation today about the obstacles that African Americans or minorities in general have when considering a career in health or living and being healthy in general. So thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything that you want to tell us about yourself? Um, hi. Um, of course, you just said it. My name is Kashavi Buckley. I'm happy to be here. Um, this is a really great thing to be a part of. Um, I feel like a lot of intellectual um, type thinking and, you know, changing will happen through this channel. And so... I'm just happy to be here at the moment. Nothing to tell too much at the moment. Okay, well, let's get our conversation started. So let's start when you was an itty-bitty baby, baby, little Dr. Buckley. What did you want to be when you grow up? 
course I wanted to be a doctor. It was it was it was, it was meant to be from the womb. Okay, so you just came straight out with a doctor popped in your ass at one time. You were just like, <laughs> I'm a doctor, baby. You changed your life. I said, I said, this is what doctors do? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, honestly, so, you know how, like, when you're a kid, you want to do everything. You want, mm-hmm. like, you want to do everything. Yeah. But I always want to do everything and be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be, I want to be a security, a security guard. But I want to be a doctor, too. So, everything came back to being, like, a, it, everything, including the doctor. So, I was like, I think I want to be a doctor. And so, that literally just stuck with me all my life. We have a different story because you're from Atlanta where you can actually be everything that you want to be. You can be all those things at one time. Exactly. But you know, everybody here got six jobs and bad credit. So. Exactly. Um. <laughs> We're just trying to make it. We're just trying to make it. So. Oh, it's so true. You know, I, I can relate to that. When I was a kid, I also wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a rapper with an A. So, you a rapper. Know, a rapper. Damn. So, you know, I had, like, all these Damn. aspirations, but okay. medicine is kind of the one that stuck around. You know, I've always wanted to be a doctor, although I'm from the Chuck, the Deuce Deuce, the 843, so I never saw, like, a black doctor. So I was like, I'm going to be the first black doctor. Yeah, it's bourgeois. Yes. <laughs> bourgeois. yes. And then my mom introduced me to Ben Carson, and I was like, oops. Girl, I guess. Okay, I'll be the second black doctor, because <laughs> there ain't no black doctors here. I'll be the first black doctor here you in think- the 843. Okay, I, okay, you. So. I, feel, I feel real small to you compared to the bourgeois code because, you know, I came from Bankhead. Bankhead! <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, I didn't come from Bankhead, but I lived in some rough parts, you know. But they made me stronger. They made me stronger. And I'm, you know, I so, still have my dreams and aspirations. So being from those those rough parts, as you say, have you ever felt like you have been discouraged from wanting to pursue a career in medicine? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so how so? Like, what? Give me an experience. Go back to the itty bitty baby Dr. Buckley and give me an experience that you felt like someone discouraged you in primary school or elementary school from wanting to pursue a career in medicine. Um, so like when I was a kid, like, all of my doctors were white, like, none of my doctors were black. Same, and so you know, I, I wanted to be a doctor because I just saw the work that they did. But the discouragement came from, I don't see any black doctors. So does that mean that I shouldn't go into this field? Like, I shouldn't be a doctor because I don't see myself here. I see everybody but me. And, a case, but, and then as I grew older, I, I started to see, you know, oh, there's a female black doctor. There's a male black, there's a, there's a, God, there's a, a male black doctor. And so it encouraged me. But when I was a kid, for the most part, I just saw, like, white and asian and some hispanic black doctors and so i was like oh damn like maybe this isn't for me you know but you know that fire stayed lit somehow and i'm still in this course as far as people like like i'm trying to think of an occasion where it's been like you know my people against me making me feel like i shouldn't be something I don't. I don't think I've had that. It's just. It's just that you know, not seeing anybody, that was discouraging enough for me. I see, but like that's a very interesting point to get to because you grew up in a very black place. Like you grew up in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and not just regular Atlanta, <clears throat> not just you know downtown Atlanta where you know all the biracial and mixing happens. <laughs> you know, you grew up in Atlanta, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> So yes. you know you got you that twang to it. Yeah, yes. so you got that uh, that sort of representation. You grew up in a very black space, but you still 
in places of power, you still didn't get the diversity that was necessary. You still didn't get that representation that was necessary to affirm your beliefs and Mm -hmm. affirm you wanting to be a doctor. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about growing up in such a black place, but not, but still not having that diversity and representation or that diversity in economics that you needed to feel like it was okay for you to be a black doctor? I think it's sad and it makes you think and yeah, it makes you think that is this systematic, you know, like it can't be coincidental because to be in cities like Atlanta, Washington D.C., but this, but let's go Baltimore, back to, Baltimore, but let's go back to Atlanta because you know I'm here. But to be in Atlanta, you know, a metropolitan that's full of black people, and I don't see any black professionals in the field of medicine. Something is wrong because the people treating black people—not to say that they can't be white people—but they should be some black people because you know we should be servicing. People who look like us, because that in and of itself is what is going to make us want to go to the doctor. It's going to make us want to disclose things. It's going to make us want to be more about our health because we can get in that mindset. And it's not and it's not like we're trying to do this. But when we are in an environment where, you know, we're only talking to black doctors, we can feel a little not we f- we can feel as if we really can't disclose everything. Yeah, a little excluded. A little excluded. And so we don't disclose everything, you know? And so um, I think that it's sad and it makes you think, I mean, I don't have any type of data on this, so I can't say for a definite, but it makes you think that, you know, this stuff is systematic. It can't just be coincidental that in a huge metropolitan area where there's majority African-Americans that as a child, I saw no African-American physicians when it came to who treated me, you know? And so I think that that is is sad, and it's definitely got to change. You know. Yeah, but like that sort of exclusion is not like unintentional. You know, like it happens for a reason. You know, yeah. it's, it excludes you from being able to maintain a certain class, and mm-hmm. you know, like you ended up in a very interesting space in the last statement that you made. Uh, it made me think about a book that I read called Medical Apartheid, and it was written by Harriet A. Washington. Mm-hmm. But she does the work to, under- like, to understand the psyche behind black folk not wanting to go to the doctor. So if you will follow me, I'm going to take like a brief detour mm-hmm. into that, and yeah. we're going to get back to your experience. Yeah. But she talks about how you know, like, black people were tested for all of these current theories that we have in medicine yeah. and all these current um, practices and procedures that we have in medicine and that they were like no anesthetics and you know they, they were yeah. like practicing open heart surgery for mm-hmm. instance on black folk without any anesthetic mm-hmm. or there'd be a wide awake and like cesareans and all these things took place on the most vulnerable people without any of the benefits that you get from you know and the benefits that you get from these things, like so, yes. like we don't get any credit from us being worked on, us being practiced yes. on, and we are also excluded from the system that the benefit from our pain is used or is utilized. Yes. So I understand the psyche behind us not wanting to go to the doctor or us not seeing yes, ourselves completely. as doctors because the healthcare system hasn't been a place for us exactly. in general. It's like, exactly. we, it is a place for us now, but exactly. it's like a sudden <laughs> shift yes. in psyche that was not there before. Yes. So we're trying to understand what yeah. the, institu- the institution is now, but it hasn't always yeah. been that way. We've st- we still have that PTSD. 
from all that. Okay, you know? okay, okay, veteran. Okay, <laughs> veteran. Use that, that terminology. Yeah, we still have that PTSD from that. Yeah, so like, yes, there's still some, there's still some work to be done within this field, and yes. to for us to get where we need to be to utilize what we have now. However. Mm-hmm. The, it's it's like almost like a perfect lattice structure that has been created for us to be the the workhorse for the industry uh-huh. and also be excluded from the industry. So how does that make you feel about your place in the <clears throat> industry? Well, it definitely makes me feel like I have a place because I contributed to what it is that we have. Um, for instance. For, for an example, let's talk about mainstream American pop culture. Mainstream American pop culture is black culture. Everyone else takes it. And so they love black culture, but they don't love black people. Black folk is good. You know? And so it's sort of like that when it came to advancements in medicine. They worked on us, especially at um, a certain school. I'm not going to mention because I could possibly be going to that oh, okay, school. Okay, okay, I understand. So I get you. I won't mention that school, but a certain school. I might be going to that school too. <laughs> yes, but a certain school used to work on African Americans and for all of these different things. Um, and, you know, they didn't use, like you said, any type of anesthesia, any type of anything to alleviate their pain. But these people were used against their will to be human lab subjects. And the knowledge that was taken from that is used to benefit everyone. Is used to benefit everyone, um, except those. People. But us, but those people, but us, and then we're and then you know we're excluded from that. And so it makes me feel that a I do have a place. Two, I'm sorry. B that you know. It makes me feel a little upset. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so like, let's get into your like. Makes what feel, makes you upset? Like, what what's the source of that anger? It makes me upset because, you know, that this is terrible. Like, this is like this is evil type, cynical type stuff. Yeah. And what's even more cynical about it is that the stuff was used against. You know, this we we were treated in such inhumane ways, and then. The the system now, you know, like the system now, we were treated in those ways, and then the system now, like behaves in a way as if, it's like to exclude us from that. So it's like, like, first of all, you got that from us. Contribution does not exist. Exactly. So like, you got the contribution from us, and now you want to exclude us from that. Like, it's like where, like, what is the thinking behind that? Like, it doesn't make any kind of sense. You know, there's a sort of pathology that exists there that not only isn't spoken about but it's like to be forgotten about like yeah. you know like this entire way of thinking this entire this entire institution is based off of the backs of another group of people and yes. like another group of people is this, and a separate group of people is this, is the desired target mm-hmm. but we can't mention it like we can't mention our contributions and we can't take our place because our place is forgotten. Exactly. So it's like if we don't remember where our place is, then no one will. Exactly. Um and speaking on that, so um you know, I follow this group on Instagram. Um um called uh Rose Doctor. 
And they had this post. Say what's what's called? Rose Doctor. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to get to the same place you at, too. Okay, okay. But they had this post, right? And I'm going to pull it up right now because this goes into, you know, what we're talking about. But uh, they had this post that, um, that was really... You know, it, it, it made me, like, upset, but it made me so, like, thankful as far as, um, like, how far we've come. Because back in the day, it was real to where, you know, people were just flat out denied entrance into medical schools because they're black. And 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 and, 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 and there was and there was no shape there was no there was no there was no under the table thing about it. It just was said it you're black. We can't admit you. But it's not just interest in medical school. It was also like entrance to health. Yeah, exactly. So like people will be having heart attacks, and there will be only one place in the exactly. one place in the country that did the type of bypass they needed, but it will be white only. When the type of surgery and the type of research that your operation is based upon. Was exactly. done on the backs of my people. Exactly. So, like, how does that make you feel? Like, how does that make you feel yes. that that all of this happened? Like, all of this history exists, and it's not even late history; it's recent history that exists. But you are supposed to come into this space, and not only come into the space, but you have to assimilate. You have to act yeah. like the white people who exactly. are there, and mm-hmm. no, like, no slight. <laughs> No slight against white people because whiteness exists whether we're in a black space or a white space. Mm-hmm. But you have to come into the space and you have to exhibit a certain type of kashabia. You have to present a certain type of kashabia yes. in order to be heard, in order yes. to be perceived as being a person, in order to be perceived as being to, knowledgeable. I have to make them comfortable. I have to. I have to be in the image that they want me to be in in order to be given some kind of, you know presence you know some kind of status and that and so like what i wanted to show you is this is a letter right from august 5th 1959 from the from the the director of admissions at then emory university now emory university and so it's telling this guy saying dear mr wood acknowledgement is made of your letter of july 30th and closing your application for admission to our school of medicine I'm sorry I must write you that we are not authorized to consider for admission a member of the Negro race. I regret that we cannot help you. And, you know, stuff like that makes me so, it, it, like, I want to, I mean, I, I, like, I like to think that I'm a rational person, but stuff like that takes the ration out of things. And my emotions just take over and it, because it's so, you know, now I can't, like, think of that as someone being so blunt like that. Yeah. But that used to be a, like a huge reality for us, you know. Okay, so like, okay, so now we're in another interesting place. I want to get back to your experience so bad. We can take a brief detour there too. Yes, because you know, like a lot of time in medicine or in general, we think that racism is reduced to the word nigger, and we think that as long as I'm not being called a nigger, as long as I'm not being called any racial epithet, oh, yeah, that it's not racist. Oh, but no. that's just not true because. Yeah. The way that the MCAT is written, the way that medical schools receive us, the way that medical schools even look at our names, for instance, is really a racial, is really in a racialized context. And if we can't have a conversation about what racism is and what racism does, we are driven further away mm-hmm. or we're, we're not even able to conceptualize and understand what racism is. Like racism ain't just 
call me a nigga. Call me a nigga if I can get the same rights and the same understanding and the same acceptance that you can get. But I just need... I need to be able to compete in capitalism. And I can't do that if you're holding me back in other ways. So, like, just that letter alone doesn't... It's not an insignia of racism alone. It's just that... I just want to be able to compete. And there are so many ways that limit our competition. And those are things that I want to talk about. It's just not just those explicit things that I care about. I care about everything else. And it seems like everyone else is sweeping all the other things about it under the rug. And there's so many things that prevent me from being myself in the industry that I desire to be in. And there's so many things that present me from... Being even a part of myself in the industry that I desire exactly. to compete in, so exactly. I want to talk about those things and not yeah. exactly the others. So you know, so getting um getting to um getting back to one of the things you said that kind of hold us back as far as racism, the name issue. So it's so common that you know being African American or Black people in America of African descent, and so mixed in that culture, we have a lot of Af- a lot of different African cultures, and mix and also you know some. Europeanism, Americanism in that, you know? So our names aren't the typical Bob, Sally, Tom, and Joe, you know? Or Brian. Or Brian. <laughs> They're not that. Our names are My mama different did that. Names. You're trifling for that. I wanted to be a Daquan, but it's okay. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> but our names, you know, they're they're different, and they should be different because we are not inherently, we're not white. We're not you. We're us, you know? And so the fact that when someone sees my name Kashavia and it completely turns them off of me, it's like, wow. Shut up because you're fine. So, you know, I am, you know, thank you so much. You know, I was looking in the mirror. I was like, okay, you better go. <laughs> but the fact that they completely are turned off by the name and they don't want to have anything to do with the person because that name is just completely, it is complicated. It's not, it's not Joe. It's not Tom. It's not Sally. I can't, it's not Brian. It's not Brian. I can't deal with it. It's too much for me. Let me just push that to the side. It's really sad because what they want is they want to box everyone into this, this this small little box of, of normalcy. Of, it's a box of normalcy. Of normalcy, and everyone is not the same. And we, you should. What I think what makes humans, what makes us so like amazing, is that we're different. Diversity is what makes us amazing. You know, the fact that my name is Kashavia and your name is Brian. The fact that everybody isn't Brian. It's that is what makes us amazing. And to you know, and to accept. Limit that. Exactly. Exactly. And so. The fact that they limit us because of small stuff like that—that is racism. That is that—that—that's the—that's what comes about from racism, which is just us hindering us to where we can't even go somewhere just because my name is different from yours. You know, my name is a little ethnic. You know, you got you—it's got a lot of syllables. <laughs> you know, don't get me into how it's really pronounced in Hebrew because that'd oh, be a whole. That'd be, <laughs> that'd I don't be have a whole that. Different I don't thing, have that you know? inside but, of me. And so, my I, man ain't been here in a while. So exactly. So I, I completely get what you're saying, and, and it's true. It's true. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, but okay. So I want to. I want to zero in on racism a little bit more. Okay. And then we're going to get back to medicine, I promise, because medicine is the point of this episode. It is. So, it's not just that either. It's not just that normalcy that is the issue. What When I think of a racist, and I know it's very simple, I know it's very reductive, and you can correct me if you feel like it, Mm -hmm. but I feel like if you are a member of our society and you profit from the 
racist methods as in um like reducing people who are people of color to being subservient you're a racist and like if you profit from the system whether you are verbal or not if you're just a regular everyday white person who just living in america you're a racist if you are not acting counter to the system you are a racist and it doesn't mean that you're a bad person it doesn't mean that you have to rely on the schema of the kkk or anything else in order to be a racist because you don't you don't have to rely on a schema of hate and being a hateful person or being dishonest or Anything like that to be a racist. That's not what is required of racism. If you are a white person and you are profiting from a system of oppression that makes it difficult or impossible for me to compete in the capitalistic system that you have created, you are a racist. That, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're Joe Smo from school. We went to school together. We were cool. We were best friends. It doesn't mean that you're not a racist. You don't have to hate me. Racism and hostility are not synonymous. So if you are not acting counter to the system, if you're not spending your privilege, you're a racist. And it's that simple to me. It doesn't have to be a complex idea. And even in medicine, if you are not, even if you are not, if you are not, acting counter to the system that says that if you are a black man you can't be a doctor if you are a black man that comes from a certain place you can't be a doctor if you're not of a certain class you can't be a doctor then you're a racist and you're enjoying those racist privileges of being white so if you're not doing those things i'll give you're saying by not going against that system that is subjecting us to that you are inherently racist yeah that's what you're saying okay um these are a lot of strong words. <laughs> well, like, listen, I do but, not care. But yes. this is the thing: like, you, we care more about the comfort of white people than we care about the comfort of yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And I don't give a damn about that. I have been in school, and I am two hundred thousand dollars into education because that's four years and almost fifty thousand dollars a year. I am two hundred thousand dollars into education. To be silent. Yes. So I am here for it. So if you. Are going to be a racist i am going to give you the feedback that you need to fix it yes okay um so um when i was in sociology um i learned that racism a racist <clears throat> is someone who believes that they are more superior than someone else on with nothing but the basis on the fact that they are of a certain race and so, um, I think that based off that definition, racism is also systematic, you know, um, discrimination can be individual, things like that, but racism is something that is systematic and to and people and racism only benefits those who racism you know only benefits a certain few um historically it's only benefited white people because they're the only ones who can they're the ones who have power to you know affect other people and so based off of that I, w I would agree that you know if you you know are if you are it doesn't matter if you're intentional or non-intentional, but, but if you are not um, outwardly, 
you know, acting you know, counter to acting system. counter to a system that limits people based off of you know a system that has been a system that's been racist. Um, then it could mean that you're a racist. Um, it's well, so it's well, hard for me. It's hard. Yeah. So like. Why do you have such trouble with calling people racist when they don't have as much trouble with calling you anything else? I have a problem with calling people like, like, undoubtedly a racist because I don't like to put everyone in a box wholeheartedly. We're not doing that. We're talking about individuals. So, like, yeah, if someone profits from a system. That oppresses you. Why yeah. aren't there? If they a profit from a racist system that oppresses you, why aren't they racist? Like it doesn't mean like you. Yeah. I think what the problem is that you're using schema. You're using the system of racism to quantify racist. So yeah. you can't use schema with this. If you are a member of this system, if you profit for the system and you are not acting counter to it, you're a racist. That's my okay. definition that I just pinned for us. So, what is the problem with you saying that people are racist if they fit into that definition? So, my problem... So, the reason why I said they could be racist and not they are racist is that... um, Like, being, like, 100% honest, um, I don't... I don't... You know, I'm one for... You know, getting your point across... But getting your point across without hurting others' feelings. And I don't want to hurt feelings, but I do want to be honest at the same time. It's about being honest. It's about getting the truth out. And so, I mean, what you're saying is it makes sense. You know, if you're benefiting from a system that has been working for you and, and it's for the detriment of other people, whether you want, whether that's intentional on your part or, or not, then you are a uh, racist and I just, I, I, I'm not. I, I don't want to deny that. I don't want to deny that. I, it's, it's. I'm not gonna. Lie. It's hard for me to, to, um, to wholeheartedly say that because I just don't. Because I just, I, I just don't. Like I want to give some people the benefit of the doubt. That's what but it like, is. I want to give some people the benefit of the doubt. But like that's a tax break, baby. So, what you're trying to do is you're trying to exempt certain people from yeah. being accountable, but you can't do that because you won't be held. So, I feel, for me, yeah, I don't believe in two wrongs make right, but I do believe in two wrongs holds you to equal. Mm-hmm. So, I think that, I think that, you know, like, every action has an equal reaction. Mm-hmm. And if someone is being racist or is a racist you get to hold them accountable for that because you have that reaction yeah you have that ability to hold them accountable you have that ability to say you're doing this wrong and you just stop this otherwise you're affecting my comfort you don't have to just have your investment in their comfort yeah so white people are racist yeah and that is simple we don't have to do a generalized thing and we don't have to we don't have to adopt the actions of black people or the reactions of black people to a certain thing to what white people do because it's not true. We don't react the same way. Yeah. We don't have the 
the same understanding of certain things because we have different experiences. And if we can delve into those experiences, we can yeah. move somewhere. Yeah. So even in medicine, even in medicine, which is such a white space, even in medicine, I was... <laughs> Uh, I'm getting married soon, possibly, maybe. Yay. I hope so. I am getting Yay, married soon. Bells ringing. Husband, that's listening. I'm getting married soon. Yes. So <laughs> it just I like I I struggle with him because I'm always trying to adapt what I'm going to say to him to what white people want to hear because he has assimilated in such a way that he has assimilated in such a way that. He's kind of lost in it, you know. Like yeah. in certain things, he doesn't. He's like, "Oh, well, you're always talking about being black," and always like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find a level of comfort in being myself that I can do this because I will. I work in and I want to work in and be a professional in such a predominantly white field that. I can't be myself, so I want to be myself, and I want to be comfortable in being myself yeah. and be comfortable in holding the goals that I do have. Yeah. So it's just like I have to be confident. I have to be aware because otherwise I won't be able to reach the goals and reach the things that I want in my life. Like, uh, yeah, I understand that completely. Like, yeah, so like, so I'm always trying to sell him like, you know, there's a racism in my path. He's like, oh, you're trying to be a victim. I'm not trying to be a victim. No. I'm trying to be understood. No. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get you to understand my experience. And I'm trying to live my experience in a way where I can secure this life and any other life that my children want. Exactly. So I have to understand why white people are so comfortable in inflicting the type of pain that they do. And inflicting the type of marginalization that they do because I want to be able to strive and achieve the type of success that yes. I dreamed of. Yes. Um, so uh, I think white people have become so comfortable. Like they, they built something for themselves. And we are comfortable we're comfortable in assuring their comfort. Yes, yes. So both of those hold true and that level of comfort that they built for themselves, they've made it to where sometimes they can't even see the fact that they're hurting other people. And some of them do see, though. Some of them don't see. Um, and so um, the fact that they're at this level of comfort when people, you know, cause I always ask myself, I'm like, do why people like live in a bubble? Because sometimes they just is, you know, like I'll try to have a you know constructive conversation and it will act as if everything is. Fairy cakes, you know, fairy, you know, fairies and cakes and cookies and and pies and cream. I'm like, you do you not understand the reality of America and what is going on in our current times? Um, and and they don't because they've sheltered themselves from this stuff to where they don't see this stuff on a daily basis. And if they do, you know, it's just it's always they do see something on a daily basis. It's something that could give credit to their stereotype of us and so it kind of solidifies maybe their point of view and so that level of comfort is what has made them feel the way that they feel and you're right like we have to talk about this stuff we can't hide it because not talking about it is not going to fix the problem that's just pushing something in the closet it's still there you have to talk about this stuff get this stuff out because that's the only way this is gonna we're gonna get rid of this stuff diffuse situation make everyone accountable make everyone be able make everyone you know comfortable 
make everyone okay with being comfortable in their shoes, you know? And so, um, yeah. Okay, so there's there's another topic that I want to get to because we're going to talk about white people all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you are a serviceman. You are a Marine, the awesome righty-tighty Marines. <laughs> so I want to know how that that force of assimilation affected you. Like, how did... You becoming a Marine and also wanting to join such a white space has affected you. Um, so, I will say, being in Marine Corps, um, the Marine is a lot much more diverse than your average American society as far as black people being in positions of power however it's also very white and that the high positions of power are all white people mm-hmm. you know so it's still very white controlled as far as power um my experience in the marine corps uh as far as affecting me as a person um it's made me see that um, there's a lot of racism out there because being in Marine Corps... My definition of racism or your definition of racism? So my definition of racism, what I mean is like there's just a lot of people who, you know, who dislike black people. And I guess that would be more so... Um, no, that would be racism. That would be racism. Would it be prejudice? That would be racism. People who dislike black people because they're black. Who dis, who have these, you know, ideas about people and that, and so they, 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 they believe these things. And I've learned these because in the Marine Corps, you meet so many different people from all over America. Um, country boy, country white boys from the South, uh, black, black country boys from the South, black people, black people from everywhere. And you start talking to these people and you realize that, you know, these experiences are really different from yours. And sometimes you guys can get really personal and deep and you guys start talking about some stuff that is like, wow, like, you know, your grandfather is like really racist, you know, like he doesn't like, he doesn't want black people in his house. Um, uh, like that, it's, it's, it's affected me in that, like, it just opened my eyes. So like, you know, like I can't have this rosy, uh, I can't walk around this world with rosy, with rosy uh, colored glasses, I think is the same. So what you're saying is that your experience in the Marine Corps has it has deepened your rose colored glasses and to more of a sepia, you know, like yes. you're more aware of what the world yes. is. So I'm more aware of the world because of my experience in the Marine Corps as far as racism. Um, however, I will say that um, the Marine Corps wasn't you know like on this on the surface racism it was a lot of under the table racism but still exists in that institution and it made me so much more aware but at this and in that awareness it made me stronger and it made me want to fight more and so um that and then one to go into a predominantly white space honestly i'm not gonna lie it's always been discouraging It, it it is to this day discouraging because i know 
that I'm the minority and I'm going into these fields, into this field of people who are going to have all these assumptions about me. And I'm going to have to, and I'm going, I'm going to either do two things, prove them wrong or prove them right. And it's sad because it means that I have to watch my every single move to accommodate these white people. And it's a sad thing for me because I just want to be me. Not saying me, it's not saying being me. So let's talk about these stereotypes. Not saying me, being me is, you know, you know, in a car with, with my car jumping up and down, playing. Well, hey, we don't got to be elitist. We, we, we don't got to be elitist. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that myself is what their stereotypes of us are. But myself is just being me and not being afraid of, you know, them thinking something of me because I don't, I'm not the image of what they think I should be. And so, you know, I've always been discouraged, but knowing that that exists, um, you know, it's, it's, it's opened my eyes and honestly, it just, it's made me stronger and more, more willing to go about this path because I have to, in a way, prove people wrong. And I, and this is what I love to do. Like this, what I love, like I love medicine. I love working with humans. I love, you know, biology, you know, biomedical sciences. Like I love this. Especially after Dr. J.K. Haynes, <laughs> yes. changed my life. I yes. Mean, yeah. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's discouraging at the moment. You know, I'm going through applications at the moment. It's discouraging because I want these people to see me for me and not for, and not, and not for anything else, but just for me, you know? But I feel like you've done that work. I think I, I have. I like, I but like I think that people are so, like, fixed in their minds they want you to be they, like a yeah. William or a, yes. a a Cody or something like that. Yes. But like you've done like you've done the work. Like you like I remember me and you and me like going to sleep at four o'clock in the morning because we're studying for biology. I remember, you know, like we've done the work. We, we've not just done the work. We've done more than the work. Yeah. You know, if we've gone to these predominantly black uh, institutions. However, we go into major, like, known, recognizable predominantly black institutions, and we've worked our ass off in these schools. We've worked to get the GPAs that they recognize. We've gone to the research programs that they recognize. And it's still an issue. Like, why? Like, why are we going through so much in order to prove ourselves reliable, in order to prove ourselves human, in order to prove ourselves worthy of the experience that you want to give. Like we have busted our ass. And not only not not just me, because girl, I know if you've 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 really bust your ass. Because you I can look at your GPA, look at my GPA. You know, it's not far, far apart, girl, but it's far apart. <laughs> so I I know you really bust whatever, your ass, whatever. and it's just like a different. <laughs> it's a different story from our white counterparts. It's like it's so different. Like we don't we didn't have like a parent who had connections. We didn't have like a parent who knew our professors or who was going to able to motivate us. We didn't and have the same only, resources. We did not. And the only motivation that we had was the ones that we were going to give ourselves. The only kick in the ass that I had was what I was going to give me or what you were going to give me. If you were going to kick me in my ass and I was going to go to class that day. If I was going to kick you in your ass, you was going to do it well on the test that day. That's the only thing that we had. And it's just such a different story. And our success and our results are looked at in such a similar way which is not fair it's not it's not um and uh, i mean i just keep asking myself the question when is this going to change 
When is this going to change? You know, that is a it real just question. needs to because if you think about it, this puts a lot of stress on us, and stress is just not good for our bodies, like physi- our, our physiology. You know, it it's, it had the stress has physical effects on us, so this puts a lot of stress on us, and this is why you have to think about it. You know, you know, like these health outcomes that we have that, that we face compared to everyone else can be so it can be so different because yeah. you know we're we're in these situations where you know we're stressed we have anxiety because we are trying to compete in our in an unfair system so we're going the extra mile come through you know and, and so un, like let's get like like unfair it's not just it's not just different it's not that we just have a different experience it is unfair come on come through with it exactly unfair. so it just and so these health outcomes that we have is, you know, it for me, my thing is it doesn't take too, it doesn't take too much to, um, you know, put something together. And I'm not saying, of course, like one thing is something because, you know, causality doesn't exactly um, correl- uh, uh, correlation doesn't mean, ca- you know, causality. But, you know, it, you know, it definitely plays a role, though. You but know? it's not a simple correlation. It's just like every case you see this because we're working so much harder to achieve mediocrity. It's seen as mediocrity, but it's not. Like Mm-mm. no, no. By any, by no stretch of the ma- imagination is Dr. Ben Carson mediocre. Absolutely by not. no stretch of the imagination is Dr. Haynes mediocre. Absolutely. Not. But they are seen as mediocre compared to their white counterparts because both of them, both of those men, they have bust their ass, and not just through. Uh, what we see as racism, because what we see as racism is purely nuanced. But what they saw as racism was, was policy, yeah. and they were and they were busting their ass to get through there. One of them got lost in assimilation. One of them got lost in you know I need to present this certain this certain self in order to prosper. And the other one was like I am going to be myself, and I'm going to prosper as well. And both of those manifestos are important. But one of them are is is more efficient. One of those gets two agendas accomplished. One of those yeah. doesn't. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> speaking of Dr. Ben Carson, uh, if you want to talk, we can talk about Ben because you know I have a fiery hate for Ben. It's, I low key got a fiery hate for my mom too because my mom played me watch the movie. She gave me the book. <laughs> like uh, she wanted me to so, go to the White House, so, like to meet him. So, so you know, I was late to I was late to uh, to the Ben Carson train. This is how my story happened. So I was ten. I met the Ben Carson. The first Ben Carson I met was the Ben Carson running for president. In that view, that's a, and I was like, "What the? Hell? I was like, what the hell? Hold up, this is a this, he is not representing our interests, you know." <laughs> and then I read his book, and I fell in love with him. And so I got so upset. I was like, "How in the hell? You know, you know, reading Gift in Hands. This man is brilliant. He is take five minutes to discuss Ben Carson before we yeah, end. Okay, yes. come on, come on, come on. He 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 is a light to us. You know, we we're inspired by this man because he you know is doing things that sets the bar for us. You know that stuff that we can that can, we can say that person did this and he was black. You know, and he now has these views, and so you know so I was contrary to us. So contrary to us, and so like. You know, I, I really did. I hated them, but then I loved them. But I'm like, I, but then, so I didn't send, and then I'm like, well, damn, like, I, like, why, you know? 
And so Ben Carson broke my heart. It was the other way around. <laughs> my now. first heartbreak. My first heartbreak. I was like, damn, man, you really did us like you that. Know, I'm a sissy, so I ain't having a real heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. He he it, it was it was a true story with him. He definitely he definitely broke my heart. But um you know, um I'll be I'll be the next one. <laughs> and I won't break hearts. Okay, you might win so much you just lost one. <laughs> but like Ben Carson on me, like okay, so I have a different relationship with Ben Carson. Even. Yes, I grew up with Ben Carson. My mother gave me his books. My father even my father gave me the movie. Like he 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 found the movie online and he downloaded it and gave it to me because you know you had those little personal DVD players. So he gave it to me personally. And like I was just like watching the Ben Carson movie and with Taraji and them. So I was just like, okay, you know, like I love Ben Carson. This is a great man. And I'm going to be just like Ben Carson. And then I get grown and I get to voting age. And Ben Carson disappoints me. Like he comes out and he's talking about, well, like, being gay is a choice because you can go to jail and you can just be a sissy all you want to. And I'm just like, nigga, you've been a nigga your whole life. And you understand the struggles of being a nigga. So why would you apply this to being a sissy? Because, and I'm saying being a sissy facetiously. I understand that that's not correct language, and I know yeah. cor- I know lots of language. So shit, fuck up my in my reviews. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like he was just speaking in this way that discounted the struggle of another group of marginalized people when he was a marginalized person. And even his own group of marginalized people, he just gave up on them in order to be recognized about... By the mainstream. By mainstream, yeah, by being recognized by white people. And that made me understand that a lot of African Americans or a lot of people of color get lost in assimilation. Like, you know, you're trying to assimilate so much that you somehow believe that you belong to the other group when that's never true you know it's it's never your story that you are the majority it's never going to be that way exactly and when you under when you kind of internalize these ideas you get there and that's it's not going to be your story and that's not going to be anything that you can share because no one else is going to have that experience. Everyone else is going to have the struggle. And everyone else is going to have to understand the oppression that you've been dealing with. But you forget it. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. No. Never. My thing is when you like Ben Carson's case, you know, you're black and you become very famous, very well off. And then you decide, hey, I'm going to appeal to white people and I'm going to kick my people to the curve. Listen, you're only those white people only like you. Because you are appealing to their interest, you know. The fact that you know you threw us away, we're always gonna remember that. And let you slip up, and those white people decide I'm gonna disown this Negro. Who's gonna? Who's gonna? Who? who, who what people are you gonna have? Because we're gonna remember that, and it might take you a while for a while for us to get over that. Because we're gonna say, "Hey, you completely dismissed us, you know, for this person." And now you want to come back and be like, "Oh, I'm here for you guys, you know, peace signs everywhere, you know." But you gotta be careful because once you dismiss your people and those people who you were who you were you know trying to be with, you know, because you thought it was it was the grass is green on the other side. Um, decide to dismiss you you know what people are you gonna have and so you gotta be careful about that 
Let's Don't go chasing waterfalls. Listen to the rivers and exit you to. I know that you're gonna have it your way or nothing But I think you're moving too fast. Listen to me. Yes. But <laughs> well, let's, oh. let's, let's get into this last part. This yes. last part I want to talk to you about. Yes, yes. Back to your military experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to discuss with you how did you avoid getting lost in assimilation? Like, how did you prevent from coming a Ben? How did you prevent from becoming a Ben Carson Jr.? How did you become able to rely on yourself <laughs> and who you are, and just be Kashavia? Um, one, I'm a strong African man and, you know, this chocolate run deep, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard for this flavor to go away. It's hard, but, um, no, um, so, you know, how do I, you know, prevent that from happening? Um, I think for me, I grew up, you know me, you know, from Israel, very strong African community, very strong beliefs in Africanness, blackness. Um, you know, being true to myself and that, like, that, you know, will take you a long way. That idea took me a long way. And so I was very strong and knowing you know, who I am, um, the importance of maintaining who I am. Um, and so that, and along with, you know, I feel like, you know, if you were, wherever you're, you know, you're, wherever you go black, you guys are gonna, you just see each other. You be like, "Hey, hey, girlfriend, hey, boyfriend. Let's, you know, what you doing? We the only two. Let's get together." It's you don't even gotta you don't even gotta say it. You just look at each other. You just and think there it. There is a sense and there of community. Is. And so you know, like legit, like you know, black men Marine Corps. You know, we hang together. We 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 do stuff together because you know, first it's not a lot of us, and so we just um we you know, are there for each other for support just because it's what we need in America. And so um, I was able to hang around a lot of black Marines. And so that kind of kept me from getting lost too much in assimilation. Um, you know, I did feel like I was, I was becoming a little bit more white and less black, but I would always catch myself. And I'd be like, hold up, why am I thinking like that? Why am I thinking like this, you know? And so I would catch myself and I would bring myself back because... Um, you know, I feel like when you're in something like that, you can get very lost in sauce if you're not, if you are letting the ideas of whiteness, whiteness interfere. who the institution, you know, it is, the institution is whiteness, yeah. get to you. So I have to just honestly uh, maintain that mentality. You know, it was, it was, it took active. It took a lot of a lot of active work. You know, it, it wasn't passive for me. It was very active being in the environment that I was in. So. So what made you leave, and dear old Caucasa, and then come to dear old Morehouse? Like, what made you go from elementary to high, I mean, elementary to middle school to high school, and then, dear old Morehouse, what we a pledge our lives to thee? Um. So. When I, um, when I, articulated, before, yes, before I graduated high school, you know, I, I was trying to, I was not very mature at the moment. 
Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out something that was greater, that was bigger than me. And um, I also didn't have money for school. You know, I wasn't trying to take out student loans, well, at least not a lot of student loans. Um, and uh, and so I thought, okay, well, how can I do something that is bigger than myself that can allow me to have a positive impact on the people in the world, but also where I can get some kind of benefit from it? From it. And I thought, you know, the military and you know, I've always been one to travel the path that's less that what's that saying? Um, travel the path the travel the path that's less travel. Yes, that bitch. Um, <laughs> so I've always been one for that. So you know, you know, I thought Marine Corps, you know, they're the best of the best. Um, I love that uniform. I love that uniform, and I was like, I need to wear that uniform. I need to be a part of this organization. And so you know, that made me really want to join the Marine Corps. And the benefit was that, you know, I got the GI Bill out of it to where I get my college tuition paid for, or at least majority of it, since I go to private school. Um, and so... And our house. Uh, yes, in my house. So... Uh, our house, don't yes. believe me. And then Morehouse, you know, Morehouse, I've always known about Morehouse. Uh, Morehouse always stood out to me, being out, being that I was in Atlanta for a long time. So let me apply to Morehouse, be about, you know, my school, about my HBCU. I knew about HBCUs. I had a fondness for HBCUs. I knew I knew the importance of them. So I said, let me apply to Morehouse. It's right there in my city. My family's here. Um, I took a tour, and I love the history of Morehouse. And so I said, you know, I got to go to the school. And so I applied. I got in. And after the Marine Corps, I was at, I was, I was out of the Marine Corps August 1st, 2015. First day at Morehouse was like August 15th. Eleven. August, August the, eleven. August the eleven. So listen, I was What's good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't playing any games, so I was there right then. Okay, so let's go ahead and uh say a little prayer. Thank you so much, Kashavia, for coming on the pod. Thank you for having me. I appreciate me. your amazing. presence amazing. and I can't wait till we go to the same bad bitch school that owns slaves together. So You know that's how we do it. We go Yo. they they own us, but then we go in there and run it. We're gonna run. We that run bit. the joint. So. Oh, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna be president of my house. You gonna be president of your house? Yes. That's how we're gonna do it. Okay, I'm gonna hold you to it. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Presentation Podcast.